Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Refined Collector Podcast. Okay, I'm thinking about going into a career of making jingles for a living. Do you support that? Okay, don't answer. It's rhetorical. And you can't answer because I'm recording in my closet all by myself. Okay, I think I need to eat because I always know I need to eat when I start making everything into a Disney princess song. So please forgive me. See, I can't help it. I don't know what's going on. Okay, today I have Christina H. on the podcast and I've chosen to call her Christina H. Just like how people name, how ABC names people in The Bachelorette because I'm obsessed with The Bachelorette this season. If you are not watching Hannah B. from Alabama, she is taking names and taking charge. I'm just loving it. Okay. Anyways, back to Christina H. She's the founder of the DTR blog. If you have not checked out her Instagram, like stop what you're doing, go follow her. She's freaking hilarious. And I loved the conversation I got to have with her. She shares about her less than cookie cutter past from drugs, sex, and a nervous breakdown to moving towards wholeness and freedom and how she became an accidental singleness expert. Wow, that was an actual mouthful. And she talks about how comedy has been such a medicine to her and so healing in the process. Christina H is super raw and honest, and I just can't wait for you to get to know her. So I'm going to stop blabbing and singing songs and let you listen to this conversation with Christina from the DTR blog. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and today you are in for a little treat. You may not think you know who Christina is, but chances are you've probably seen one of her memes. She's like one of the wittiest internet people, personalities, whatever you want to call it, that I've come across. And she talks about singleness and dating, especially in the Christian world. And she has memes like this on Instagram that say, girl, talking to her friends about a guy. We totally had a connection, friend. You didn't have a connection, Carrie. You just had wine. I mean, come on. This girl just brings She brings the truth and she's also sassy along the way. So she's a woman after my own heart. So I am so excited to announce, announce, what are we doing? Like an Olympics game here? I'm so like, what's happening? I'm so excited to welcome Christina from the DTR blog today. What's up, Christina? Hey, I love that intro. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
good. It was really hard to pick like which one I wanted to go mm-hmm, with because mm-hmm. you have so many good things like me scrolling through Insta. Thank you, mute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like how one of the things that stresses me out more than anything is like having to be witty on social media because mm-hmm. I'm like a context person and I'm like, let me explain the joke. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and totally. then I kill it before it starts. So how do you do this? <laughs> Honestly, it was all by accident. I think I, uh, when I started my blog, it was very serious because it was about mental health and faith and uh, my journey. And so it was serious. But then when I noticed when I would write, I had this sarcastic undertone and I would throw in some comedic stuff. And one day I just thought of my first meme was, uh, put on pastor says, put on the armor of God and me. Oh, but it'll ruin my outfit. And like, <laughs> that, was, that was just my first thing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to post it. And from there, it just became like the way from that. I saw the world <laughs> like mm-hmm. very natural. Like I'll be in settings or in church or wherever. And things just pop in my head and it's the natural way I process. So yeah, I mean, it, so, it's like easy to come up with content when you have the whole world. <laughs> so you're so. basically saying it's easy to be funny. No. <laughs> you're like, it's like super yeah. easy to be yeah. really witty, like super well, natural. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no. Well, like people like you, for instance, you have to come up with like photos and all this content for your Instagram, which is incredibly hard. For me, mm-hmm. I just write a, a joke a day. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much easier for me. Like my personal Instagram is way harder to grow in any capacity. Yeah. Do you have background in improv or anything like that, that would have like prepped you for something like this? No, 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 you're just funny. I'm like, (laughs) no, I know. I feel really weird now that I'm in, I live in LA now and I'm trying to get more involved in the community and people ask me that. And I'm like, honestly, I just, I just struggled. I was like depressed and anxious in a period of my life and writing and comedy was a healing journey. And I, I have this uh, story I tell where I, yeah, I'm like at the end of my rope and I go to church and I'm, it was after my mom died and I'm looking for like a little hope, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm just on my, like, I have nothing left. I go in, I meet this woman and she's like, hi, Christina. And I'm like, hi. And she's like, Oh, um, my name's Karen. I'm like, hi, Karen. She's like, are you single? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, Oh, that's okay, sweetie. And I was like, and I was like, I swear to you, I heard God laugh at that moment. And like, (laughs) I was like, well, if I hear God laugh, like surely I can laugh. And so from then I just saw things differently, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point did you, okay. For those of you who don't know, her Instagram is at the DTR blog. Um, at what point did you realize, oh, this is a thing? Like, <laughs> this is like an actual thing. And I asked this to my friend. I don't know if you know Kavanaugh James. Um, no. But, oh, you would love him. I need to, he does really funny <laughs> Instagram videos. Um, and he just started like posting them on his Instagram just because he wanted to be sassy. <laughs> and so I asked him like, when, like, cause you, when do you figure, when do you realize like, oh, this thing that I just thought was like funny that I just wanted to post now it's like a thing and people are expecting it and it's going viral. And like, what did you do with that? And what was that like? So I, I got reposted by some large accounts and then I, I, some 
some people started to follow and it was like all in one week. And my following grew like by 2000 in like three days. And at that point I was like, Oh, I didn't, I now need to be a little more careful (laughs) Mm. because I didn't realize the audience. Also Instagram had, I couldn't see that people were DMing stuff. And for Mm. my account, a lot of times people don't want to tag someone because they don't want to give it away that, Mm -hmm. or they're talking about someone. (laughs) So they'll DM the memes to each other and be like, oh my God, this is, this was that guy or that situation or whatever. And I couldn't see that, but now I can see who DMs memes, like how many people are DMing them. So, um, once I could see that, I was like, oh, wow, this is like a lot of people are talking or can relate. And so it kind of hit me like, oh, this, this has become like a little thing. That is crazy. And it's like one of those things where I remember when my blog was just a couple hundred like followers and it was like my mom and my sisters (laughs) reading my blog posts. And so when I was putting things out there, I was like, you know, it's really, who's going to read this, but my mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first series that I did that really kind of exploded was when I talked about dating this guy when I first moved to New York six years ago and was like head over heels for him and just kind of like shared our whole story and the breakup and all the things. And I hadn't told him about it because I was like, (laughs) literally no one reads my blog. And (laughs) then within a week, this one post had 20,000 views. And I was like, wait, what is Mm -hmm. happening? And -hmm. then with those like numbers started coming, like I felt more responsibility on my end and even just things that I've learned, like, okay, if there's someone that you don't want to see something, they're definitely going to be the first person to see it. Mm -hmm. And to just be like more aware of like, oh, um, I'm putting my stuff on the internet. And that's like not pencil on paper that can be erased. It's like, etched in stone there forever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Brene Brown, I think I, I, of course it's Brene Brown. Of course I'm bringing (laughs) up Brene Brown, but of course uh, she was like, don't put anything on the internet where you're not completely healed yet. Like you're not healed from this. And I felt like that was such good advice because when I, when I first wrote, I was scared. I really was actually scared because I was like, I'm just writing things on the internet. Like, I don't know. Also I'm a Christian and, but I'm writing real and raw stuff. So Mm. I don't know who will judge me. And now two years later, I'm, I'm, I am so comfortable that I, I know my audience and I, I'm like pretty much willing to say anything at this point because mm-hmm. I feel more, but I think the slow growth thing is so important for that yeah. because you learn like exactly like the one person, like all the exes you talk about, <laughs> yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna hear it, you know? Totally. So, yeah. 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 Now let's talk about setups because, mm-hmm. you know, you're a single girl, I'm a single girl and you are now living this like single life online. And you said before we started recording that you've been getting some setups lately. Like, do you find yourself getting more set up now that you're out there in this way? Uh, yes, I do. Well, yes. So <laughs> there's also the other side where I get like the weird, creepy, oh my gosh, creepy like Instagram stalkers, which I yes. didn't. That's a whole world for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's that 
side where um, I'll have people like, uh, not, and I don't want to like sound cocky. This is just like weirdos of the internet. And they'll mm-hmm. like DM and they won't stop. And like, you mm-hmm. have to block them because they yes. don't stop. And you're like, how yes. do you think this is normal? <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh know? my gosh. It reminds me of the yeah. Aziz Ansari. He has like this stand up where he talks mm-hmm. about creepy guys and like guys that will like <laughs> follow girls back to their apartment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dudes, like, what's the plan? Like you're being creepy. You're following her back to her apartment. Do you think she's going to turn around and be like, oh my gosh, I totally just, thank you for following me. I want to have sex right. with you right now. Like, right. no. no, I know. Like, well, don't be so creepy. I did this thing on my Instagram that was like, all right, I want everyone to post the creepy DMs that they have or from dating app chats. Mm. And I got like, literally thousands of hilarious, but also extremely creepy messages that like guys and girls, girls can do it, like be like super weird too. And it was like, I was like, how do people think that this is like gonna land the girl or it'd be like the worst pickup lines Mm. or men. I did a Christian mingle, not getting off topic a little, but I did a Christian (laughs) mingle fake account once Mm -hmm. and it was like men with Christian girl fetishes. It was oh my gosh. so creepy. I was like, oh my God, like horrified. Uh, <laughs> and I know there are ugh. people that have like met on specifically that one and are super happy. I'm totally. just saying that was like a funny experience totally. for me. But yes, I now, um, especially living in LA and traveling more, I have people that want to set me up and I happily... Like I had this woman named Donna who just, I met her. And of course her name is Donna. And she's like, I have this wonderful guy for you. And I was like, okay, Donna, like I will happily go on a date with him. So Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. I think it's like all about being open and you never know what's going to happen. And I mean, yeah, you're going to receive the creepers online, but seriously, people get married off online all the time. And even I had this guy, Jamal Miller, he's a pastor in Chicago on my podcast a few weeks ago. And how he met his wife is he slid into her DMs. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Hey, I love what you're up to. Like, like there can also be some good, good points about that. That being said, I've definitely, I'm like the queen of reporting guys on online dating apps because I'm like predators, you're the worst. (laughs) Um, And I literally, I got this, I'm like, what's the plan, dude? It's like, I woke up the next morning. It's like a Sunday morning and I checked my dating app and a Mm -hmm. guy had DM'd me on my dating app at 3am and was like, Hey, gorgeous, you want to meet up? (laughs) And I first responded to him and was like, first of all, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) That's That's how I started. First of all, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) Second of all, I don't understand what, how you felt you had the right to reach out to me at three o'clock in the morning. Like, you're yeah. clearly not a gentleman. So I sent it to him and then I reported him. And yeah, I'm like, awesome. you know what, guys? I I also think guys wouldn't do it if girls would stop, if girls wouldn't respond. That's true. Like if they're, if, if we as women were really holding ourselves high, like I think guys would knock off that behavior. That's mm-hmm. my, that's my opinion. I don't know what you think about that. Well, no, I, I, I definitely agree. And like, I have a huge heart for college. I have a younger brother and I have a huge heart for college age, um, like that age group. And I think there are a lot of miscommunication in that where, where, Mm. where women like girls that age, like they also think that that is 
the appropriate way to be hit on or to be mm-hmm. flirting. And like, they don't, they also don't realize that it's not normal, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause they, maybe they haven't learned that. And, yeah. um, so I think there's an aspect of that. Like when I grew up, we did not have any of this. It was just yeah. like, you know, so now it's just, everything is very different. So it's important. I think it's so awesome you do that. But also there are so many people I know that are dating from DMS and I'm like, mm-hmm. I have met phenomenal people from that too. So you just have to navigate with balance. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like not an all or nothing. It's not like a, this is bad. This is, this is good. This is evil. This is not evil. I think there's, there's nuance and layers within the whole dating conversation. So for single women of faith who want a meaningful relationship with a quality man, navigating today's dating culture can bring the struggle to a whole other level. But you already knew that. What you might not know is that it can also be a great opportunity to put yourself out there and be pursued by godly men who see, honor, and love your worth. I have a huge announcement about my signature program, Activate Your Dating Life. I only launch it twice a year. And last fall when we launched, we literally broke the internet, y'all, like for real. The Activate Your Dating Life program is the answer for women looking for a new way to show up in this season of singleness. And doors are opened for enrollment this week only. Ah, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Inside, I'm dishing up all the details from my decade of research and revelation with lifetime access to my four module course and an exclusive eight week membership in my private online community where we'll have weekly live coaching calls, Q and A's, tons of girl talk, and so much more. So if you're ready to get out of the friend zone and into the world of dating with confidence, faith and integrity, go to bit.ly slash activate dating to join the tribe of women who are ready for breakthrough. That's bit.ly slash activate dating. I cannot wait to see you inside the course, friend. Um, well, Christina, I love just I love talking with you about what your journey has been so far and the thing that was really cool when for me when I started looking when when I was lurking on you and stalking you stalking away (laughs) um finding your blog it is filled with so much wisdom and knowledge and I loved reading about your story because I think it's so easy to look at here's who you are on the internet right now and we can like kind of idealize people's stories and you don't have this cookie cutter story. And I so appreciate that because I don't either. And to be honest, I don't really know if anyone does. Right. So I just wanted to open it up to you to share your story and where you've been and where you're at now. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, I definitely don't have a cookie cutter story. So be prepared audience. No, yes. just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was raised, my mom was Muslim. I am from Persian Iranian background. And so my mom mm-hmm. was Muslim and my dad was, uh, actually he was Orthodox Christian, Armenian Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, my mom had this radical conversion to Christianity, but it was like Benny wow. Hinn, Protestant televangelist Christianity. So it's referred as the charismatic movement. Um, so I was raised, uh, my parents separated. So I was primarily, primarily raised 
in like mother daughter dates going to Benny Hinn crusades, mm. which you go and people are falling down and um, all kinds of fun stuff. So that was my entrance wow. into church. Um, and my That's mom was crazy. The person, yeah. So my mom was the person like I'd be driving in the car with her and she would like roll down my window and yell out the window and be like, excuse me, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and savior? Like, and I'd be oh like, my Oh my God, mom, like you're embarrassing me. Like she would go on the street and hand out church tracks. She was like the most, I mean, now I'm like, she was a legend because she was not afraid of anything and did not wow. care what anybody thought, you know? So, um, that's was my upbringing, but my parents had a very volatile marriage. They ended up divorcing. We moved around a lot and mm. I never, I was always, um, really great reading my Bible, like loved Jesus so much. But when I went into high school, I had, or college, um, I had so much anger and resentment that I hadn't dealt with. And so I had been this perfect Christian girl. And when I went mm. to college, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I just, did everything under the sun. I mean, not, not like everything, but I mean, I did, I drank, I did, I tried drugs. I, um, lost my virginity in college. And then I just was kind of sleeping around, hoping that someone would love me. And that obviously didn't work. So Mm. after that, I moved to LA and then I went and left everything and went into a missions organization called Youth with a Mission. So I'd met a girl who had done it. And so I moved to England where I studied um, the Bible and I did a a discipleship school. And after that, I did some outreaches and I really just fell in love with God again, but I also fell in love with a guy. Mm. So I met this guy and this was my, you know, re-entrance into Christian relationship, Christian dating. I never really at that point dated anyone, um, in Christian world. And so we met and within three months we were talking about engagement and marriage and people were prophesying to me that he was my husband, but I just felt like there was something off. And Mm. so after that, it didn't work out because he would, we were praying about whether or not I was his wife. And it was like, by this date, God's going to give him a sign that I'm his wife. And long story short, God did not give him that sign. So we broke up. Yeah. And I was like, so devastated because I now tied my faith to this as well. And I'm like, well, God didn't tell him why didn't God do that. So I, um, I, I stayed and I studied the Bible for nine months and a, a course called um, SBS. And I, it was really good because I had, I studied and read the Bible, which I'd never really done before. Mm. Um, and then after that, my mom, she got sick. So she got sick with brain cancer, brain tumor. And she thought that she was going to be supernaturally healed, which I a hundred percent believe in, but she did not do treatment because of that. But also like now, like fast forward, my mom was not the type of person to do well being sick. So Mm. I think like God is amazing because he redeems everything, you know? And um, Mm. so she ended up passing away and that was really hard, but I didn't deal with anything. So I just went back Mm. to drinking, back to workaholic mode. I was working in the private jet industry. So I just was with like celebrities all the time and just like didn't deal with anything. Uh, I ended up basically having a nervous breakdown. So I was mm. extremely depressed. I started having like five panic attacks a day. I couldn't wow. function. It was definitely a wake up call. Wow. 
And from there, I moved to Orange County in with my dad, which I was like, this is a death sentence because I was 28 years old, 28 mm. at the time. And I'm like, when you're 28, you don't move in with your dad. <laughs> you know, mm. like, um, so I moved to Orange County and I, so I ended up quitting my job. I couldn't do anything. And from there, I just began to heal. So I started mm. in healing process of counseling and writing. And from there, the comedy started growing in me because it was a way for me to handle and deal with stuff. But I was also um, re-entering church culture and church life. And so that's where a lot of the humor came from because I was mm. like raised in this, right? But I was so also in such a weird place. Um, but God allowed me to be able to laugh at everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started the blog and I would write and, and I would go to small groups would save my life and also provided the best content. Cause everyone is so awkward and like <laughs> overshares their story. And there's always the person that's like <laughs> preaching with every answer. And like, yes. I loved it, you know, and I found I had the safe space to heal. And so mm. after that, I got, um, signed to a literary agency to write a book, which I, which was always my dream, but I never thought that was attainable. Mm. And then I ended up moving back to LA. So here I am. And I oh yeah, gosh. wrote memes and the memes was, was all very, like I said, by accident, but it was mm. just a natural healing process for me. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a, like a wild ride and story. And what I'm curious about, about what you just shared is just growing up the way you grew up mm -hmm. and you said you were like, you know, grew up a Christian all this stuff and then college happens, right? What happened in college? Like, what do you feel like sent you down the path of, you know, like drugs, drinking, partying, sex, um, all of that? Yeah, I and think I, like in that, did you also ever feel like, what am I doing? Or were you like, whatever, I don't care. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, what was that like for you? So I was always a Christian. I just, for those four years lived like a guilty, I was just had a guilty conscience all the time. And mm. I was so, uh, I was depressed and had a, a huge struggle with anxiety, but I hadn't dealt with anything, um, in any type of healthy counseling or mm. self-awareness capacity growing, growing up because I was busy moving around a lot. I even ended up living with a friend for a while because my parents' situation was so not good. So, mm. so I think when I was introduced to a world where I didn't have to answer to anybody, mm. it was like, oh, oh, I can drink. Everybody drinks. I can drink mm -hmm. too. But I didn't know my limits. I didn't know um, anything. And then when I tried drugs, I was like, oh, this, this makes my anxiety go away. Mm. Uh, and it was like weed or, you know, it wasn't like extremely hard stuff, but, but, um, and you know, some other stuff, but so all that just didn't work, but it's just mm -hmm. this pattern where you're like still anxious and still unhappy. And then I got into relationships that were toxic and that, you, if you don't have a rooted identity, you just start falling apart. And, mm. um, I'm really thankful though, because I did, I did meet people that I'm still really good friends with that have known me through everything, which is so wonderful to have close friends like that. Like yeah. now, you know, they have children and it's so wonderful, but, um, yeah, actually this girl I knew, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And she introduced me to 
back kind of back to, she brought me back to church. So, so then you have this college experience and post-college it's like, then you take another pretty sharp turn and then you're like, I'm going to go do missions. Mm -hmm. Like how did that unfold? So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like my life has been a lot of extremes. So (laughs) I moved to LA and my family, I was born in LA. So I moved back to LA after college, I got a job, um, and I was working here and like partying with my friends, but going to church, mm-hmm. but, but not really feeling connected anywhere still. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was working for in Malibu, I remember, and my boss's son had done this thing called a DTS. And the girl that I worked with who I'm so incredibly thankful for, she was my manager. She was like an on fire Christian. And, uh, so she told me that, our boss's son had gone and done this missions thing. And she's like, I feel like you would really like it. So I drove to the YWAM base in LA and they were, and they were like, the world is your oyster, go hug an orphan. And in college, my minor was global peace and security. Like I always, I had these things where I just wanted to help the world like that. That was the underlying thing in me, but I was just didn't know how, like who I was. Mm -hmm. So after I went to that base, I, I quit. I ended up quitting my job and was like, I'm going to go do this thing. And my boss was like, wait, what? And I'm like, well, your son did it. (laughs) This is all your fault. You said. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, I feel like God picked me up and dropped me off in this place called the King's Lodge in England, which was like this castle house in the middle of England, like in the countryside. And it, was a really wonderful experience for me because I ha- I never knew something like that existed. And it was mm. at the time what I really was looking for. I make a lot of jokes about YWAM because it's very easy. Like I call it young women after men or uh, <laughs> whatever. But like, I am truly thankful for that experience. Yeah. And then when you're talking about now you're kind of like back in this, this Christian world, which Christians can be so, so weird. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, can you just be normal for five seconds? Like (laughs) one of the most stressful things in the world for me is when I am like, combining groups of friends. I'm like, not worried about anybody else, but the Christians. I'm like, don't be effing weird, please. Like, please be normal. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, so I have a lot of non-Christian friends that I still have and I hang out with them like all the time. And it's funny because they're the most supportive of me Mm -hmm. doing anything like, Mm And when I, if I was like, I'm going to Timbuktu to hand out Bibles to people, they'd be like, oh my God, Christina, we are so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> They're what, you know, but it's funny because now they follow all of my stuff now. And I'm like, do you guys get this? And they're like, well, we get like 75% of it because we've known you through this journey. So we understand mm-hmm. all the weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like they even yeah. get it. And it's like totally. when you go to church and you bring someone and you're like, please don't talk about like tithing. Or like, yeah, I <laughs> think or whatever, like, Please. just can we like not mention hell today? Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. just whatever. Like, yeah, it's so funny. That's, yeah, I, I so get that. And <laughs> I've experienced that too. Like the only haters I've ever gotten online are Christians. Mm-hmm. And that is always so discouraging and disappointing to me. And the most supportive people in my life are the men and women who don't share my worldview. They're like, yeah, you got, like, you need to be speaking to women. You need to be like sharing God with people. Like, I totally see you doing that. And it's just been such an interesting dichotomy because I'm like, yes, thank you so much. And then I'm like, 
the people that share my faith are the ones that are giving me the most drama and hate. And um, so that's been just an interesting thing to like navigate through myself. We all just need to be nicer and more kind. Um, So, okay. Speaking of like Christians being weird, um, the dating relationship that you described is like, you're saying that and I'm like cringing. Like, you know, it's, you're talking about marriage. I mean, I remember dating a guy in college on date one, we were like, I think we should be praying that we are each other's husbands and wives. Oh yeah. And that's just like normal in this weird Christian culture. But what did that do for you? Like, did that, was that like weird? Did you like, even just this idea of like over-spiritualizing dating? And I think your experience and my experience is so common, especially today. And it's like, it just makes you wonder like, of course, no one's dating. We're all being really weird and over-spiritual about it. Did that situation, what did you learn from that? What do you learn moving forward? How do you show up now in dating? So um, after that experience, I I was like, I am on a hunt to know what who God is in this area. Because I just, all I saw were a lot of women who are obsessed with finding their spouse, like prayer meetings and groups, like praying for our future husbands. And which like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's wrong or bad. I just think that there's mentalities that get really unhealthy and also really weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, you know, like going up to someone and being like, I felt God told me that that person is your spouse is actually manipulative, you know, in a, in a, you could say, um, but people come from really good intentions, but even with prophecy and stuff, they will say like, no mates, no dates, no babies. Like, because, because truly you have in your desire, um, you want someone to be married or you want them to experience something. So you do say that out of the goodness of your heart, but it can really mess up someone who is super vulnerable in that area. Right. So, um, there are situations where people have said things and they have happened. And so I'm not saying that's all, but for the most part in hub of Christian culture, people can get so hyped up on over spiritualizing an area that I believe God so deeply cares and speaks into, but it's a personal, a lot of it is a personal journey between Mm -hmm. you and God and you and your life. And no one's story is the same and everyone operates differently in this. And so we have to allow for everybody to be able to experience dating, be it like dating apps, dating, whatever, like you feel is something that you want to do and like, like we have to give room for that. And then also not just just all the things of the, you know, the weird stuff where we put this pressure that someone has to be our husband. Mm -hmm. Like we need to see a guy and be like, they, that guy is my husband. Like I, Mm -hmm. I need a sign from heaven. Um, you know, so I have a friend named Sammy, who's one of my best friends and she dated a guy for five years in YWAM and out of it, which was considered, everyone would go up to her. She said, people will come up to her the first year and be like, did you get a sign from God that he's your husband? Because if not, you know, you should be questioning this. And she was mm-hmm. like, no, like, I don't like, like, stop. Like also it's none of your business, you know, mm-hmm. like, so, um, they're now married and she is <laughs> so happy that she waited five years for her. That was her, what she needed and they needed. And, um, everyone's story is different. So yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> no, it's, I, I totally did. So it's like with your platform now, we were talking about this before we were recording. It's like, you've become this like accidental singleness expert. Like, yeah. would you agree? Yes or no? 
Yeah. Uh, I never, I definitely did not foresee this. Like God has such a great sense of humor. Cause yeah. it's like, I cannot believe this is where I'm at, but yeah, I think a huge thing is like, like I used to be so desperate to like want mm. to get married and, and like, God, is this the one? And like coming to a place where I'm just comfortable in my life and really content, like I'm very happy with my relationship with God. Like I wrestle a lot with things. I'm very adamant that he speaks to everyone in many ways, but I also am like, I want to get married, but if that doesn't happen, like that's okay. And to just Mm -hmm. be in that place and be like, whoa, like I'm actually okay with this um, is a very new thing. And then, yeah, it made me into this accident. I don't want to be like that famous single person though. (laughs) Totally. When people find out, yes, people find out that I've been a bridesmaid 18 times. And the (laughs) number one thing they say is you're like that girl from 27 dresses. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, I'm like, get behind me. Well, I'm like, she does get married in the end. So whatever. She does. But I'm like, I do not want to be a bridesmaid 27 times before I meet my James Marsden. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it's expensive. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) One year I spent $3,000 on being a bridesmaid. Oh yeah. I believe that is a true story. That is a true story. Yeah. And so now I'm like, listen guys, if I get married, like y'all shell out because we're in our thirties now. Like I know you have money. Like it's not like us in twenties. I had to use all of my money for your your bachelor party. Like, yeah. We're going to, we're going to spend proportionally what I was making in my twenties and I was making $20,000 and spending three of those thousand on you. Right. We're going to up that. <laughs> like 10% to Jesus and 10% right. to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So would you, if you could give like, what it would be like three tips that you would have now that you're this accidental singleness expert to be normal in dating? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I would say that First and foremost, it's a it's really important to know what you believe about God and about yourself. So like like take out dating completely like the DTR stands for define the relationship. And so I started the blog with the notion of helping people define their relationship with God, themselves and others through stories of faith, dating, mental health and comedy. And I think like what I learned is that you can't really be successful in dating if a, you don't know who you are or what you believe, because you will probably get lost in trying to please the other person or be the person that they want you to be, or you think you need to be to get to find a spouse. So I would say like, try to, to root and ground yourself in things that, that make you feel like truly who you are and what you, what you want to do in life. And then, um, number two, I would, say like, just, uh, keep it lighthearted and fun. Like in the beginning, do, you know, go on dates and don't, you don't have to pray about going on a first date. Like, unless the guy is a super creeper, you don't want to go then say no. <laughs> but like, you know, if someone asks you out, like you don't have to necessarily be like, I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> like just yes. go, or don't go, you know, like mm-hmm. just have fun. Like, um, and then lastly, I think like find a core group of uh, women or men that you trust, like your friends that you feel you can honestly share stuff with. So that way, um, you just have people that can support you in the journey. And like, if 
you know, things do get weird or whatever, you have people there that are for you and that can help you navigate. Cause it is just hard and weird sometimes to date in this day and age too. Like, mm-hmm. like I go on a date, like I met a guy and, um, this literally happened two days ago. So I was at a social gathering at the beach two days ago for Memorial day. And I met like, there was this guy that I thought was cute. And so I was like, Hey, like I, um, would love to come visit your church. Wink, wink, you know, trying to be like, Hey, and he was like, he's like, yeah, you should come, but you have, you can't sit with me because I sit in the second row with the the guests of the pastor. And I was like, cool. And I was like, this is why I'm, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, I just was like, Oh my gosh. Like Los Angeles. <laughs> like Gross. What? Yeah. yeah. That makes like, me want to barf. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I was like, guys, guess what happened? You know, you have your friends and mm-hmm. it's weird to have your friends. Cause it's weird out there. Or, or you meet someone <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, I thought this guy's cute. And like, he's gone on a date with like 16 other girls at the church or something. Like it's good yeah. to have people to process this stuff with too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said about, you don't have to pray about everything, like every step. Some things aren't like prayer issues. Like if you're late all the time to work, I don't necessarily need to pray for you to get there on time. You just need to wake up 30 minutes earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think with dating, we just are, we just really over-spiritualize it and it makes me wonder what would it be like if we all just took down the pressure about 10 notches and yes, stay connected to who I am, what I want and long for my non-negotiables, but just was like, I'm just going to get to know this person. And it's a Bianca Oltoff says, it's just coffee. It's not a proposal. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I just, I think things culturally and in dating would change so much if, women and men just stopped making it such a big deal. Yeah. Like just have, like my dream is to, I have a lot of friends who are guys and ultimately my dream would be to have like be friends and then it brews into something like I'm already Mm -hmm. writing my own story. That's definitely not how it works, but in my (laughs) head that would be wonderful because when you're friends with someone, you are a hundred percent yourself. And it's Mm. so important to just be ourselves. And when we have this pressure, we become really weird girls. Like Mm. I feel like we act weird and we do weird things. And then men Mm. are just there. They could be just as overly spiritual. And Mm. it's so funny about the praying thing. Like I love going to small groups because especially when people bring up dating, like it's so interesting, but there, I remember once I was in this group and this girl, she was like, um, can you pray for me? I need to work out more. And I just feel like the guy like that I'm dating, like he works out. So I want to work out more. So, and I was leading like the prayer stuff and I could not keep a straight face. I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to pray for that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, cool. Next person. (laughs) Yeah. And I just have so many follow-up questions about that. Okay. So do you like working out? Do you not like working out? Are you, is your only sole purpose to do that, to impress this person? Um, Is it a discipline issue? Well, let's sit down and hash out a game plan of what's realistic of you moving your body and finding something you love. Like, I'm like, 
Before we pray about that, let's let's have a frank conversation about what this is really about. And I mean, I just wonder sometimes if we're missing so much of what God has for us because we're hiding behind these like vague prayers or these prayers that were like, okay, yeah, God can do anything, but God also works so much through our movement. And it's like, well, if I'm praying that I will be more disciplined for the gym, but keep staying out till 3 a.m. every night and like sleeping until 12 and then being late to work, that's not going to happen. Like we also get to participate in our wholeness. Yes. Preach it. Totally. And like, oh, it's always funny because that it's like, I've told, I've been that girl. Absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. I was that girl in YWAM. And like, it's like the person right before will be praying because someone in their family committed suicide and they're asking Mm. for prayer. And then like, you know, and I think there's a, there's a thing where like, sometimes we suffer, like sometimes life is hard and there is navigating through that. And that's where you really know and find what you believe in. And Mm. that builds in you this kind of discipline sometimes to, Mm -hmm. to be able to show up and, and like, no, okay. It requires effort on my part because I want to see God in this. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm going after. And I think that gets lost in maybe our like easy lives here in America sometimes too, like, you know, totally. And even just before we wrap up, even just what you're talking about, like life is hard. And like you, even just the stuff that you've gone through in your family, like your mother passing away, which I just cannot even imagine and going through like a nervous breakdown and have, I mean, I know the journey of struggling with panic attacks and, Mm -hmm. but like five a day, like that, like having to quit your job and move home. Like those are some really, really hard realities of your life. And what would you say like healing has looked like for you and where do you feel like you're at now in that process? Um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for your support, girl. Um, Mm. I think everyone has suffering and pain. A lot of people have inner pain. A lot of people have um, traumatic things that have happened in their lives. And I have learned that those things for me are the things that I bring up again and again with God and I wrestle. And before I didn't feel like I could do that because sometimes I would doubt, like it would make me sometimes doubt uh, my pre-held beliefs of what Mm. I thought. But I think that questioning and wrestling is very much what David did in the Bible, what Jacob, like all these people did in the Bible. And it, and it, what it does is it builds in you something that is like my relationship with God is real because I am real Mm. with him. I'm real with myself and now I'm real with others. So for me, what changed is like, I didn't, I was able to really know like the Holy spirit really can give me peace in like a circumstance where mm-hmm. I didn't think I could have that. And that's the mm-hmm. gospel for me. And that's what I think people want. And so it's my life has just changed where the focus is like, I want people to know that like, if you are in a painful or hard situation, or if there's something you are, you cannot seem to deal with, like there's hope for everyone mm-hmm. to experience healing and God in those areas and dating that, that brings up a lot of this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And do you ever feel like you want to numb out anymore? Like when you're yeah. stressed or when like, has, has that ever come up for you again? Yeah. 
definitely. Um, like I am a very, uh, I feel things more heavily maybe than other people. So for me, emotional regulation is a big thing. And, um, I could feel like I, uh, a potential rejection or just like I could feel myself getting so stressed that I'm, I have anxiety and I'm falling back and, and, but I'm now so active to try to not allow myself to ever get to the numb place, but to mm-hmm. use the thing, the tools and resources I've learned and to really um, reach out to someone and to write, I write everything and that helps me. And then I also, mm-hmm. I think comedy, to be honest, like laughter really is good medicine, like not to be cliche, but when you can find something that makes you laugh, your whole body changes and your mind kind of snaps out of things sometimes. So that's what I, my hope is that if people read stuff and they laugh, then for a second, they're like, everything's okay. You know? Yeah. Laughter is so healing. I, I love that. I love that uh, laughter and comedy is a part of your healing story. Well, Christina, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your story. And yeah, I know it's going to encourage so many people. I feel encouraged. Um, so thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I am so honored. We really went deep. I did not expect, I thought we were just going to talk about single memes. (laughs) (laughs) I've tricked you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so like love seeing everything that you're doing. So thank thank you. you. And if people don't know how to follow along with you, how can they keep in touch with you? So you can follow me on social media. Uh, Instagram is, I do the most on there at the DTR blog. And then I am writing a book now. So I will be updating with new and fun, exciting things. So make sure to get on there. And on my website is the DTR blog.com. Amazing. And I cannot wait to read your book. Thanks, get it, girl. girl. Thank you. All right. Well, have a great day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes search the Refined Collective podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search the Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.